0: ora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland, you are now listening to a podcast from our church service, and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. Uh, it's such an honour to get to give the word this morning, uh, and I'm actually quite excited just to be talking about um, the Book of Malachi. Those of you who weren't here last week, we actually started a new series. That's a three-week series called Remember This. And it's based on the book of Malachi, which is, as you probably already realize, is the last book in the Old Testament. And so just in case you're not familiar, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Background. Oh no, just started, already fobbing out. Uh, And so just a little bit of context to this book is, you know, historically God had made a covenant with Israel, and that he was their God, and they were his chosen people, and he blessed them, protected them, provided for them, and all of the other nations knew that the Israelites were God's people. God was always faithful to them, and he would uh, always be there for them whenever they needed him, when they worshipped him, but you know, every few generations, they would actually turn their back on God, and they'd end up disregarding his laws and worshipping other nations' idols and pagan gods. And they would start to marry some of those people and start to blend that culture that God was wanting to keep as his own. And so what would typically happen was that whenever they would turn away from God in disobedience, they would end up getting attacked by their enemies the enemy nations, and so they'd get overrun. Their land would um, most of the time be destroyed and the survivors were taken into captivity, usually, you know, the best looking, the brainiest and the um, brightest. And so then they would be slaves. And then they would cry out to God, save me, save me, look, look what's happening to us. Aren't we your people? And of course, being the loving and merciful God that he is, He would rescue them from the enemies and they would repent and everything would be great again. But you know what? Generations later, sure enough, the cycle would just repeat itself. Same thing would happen again. And so just before the book of Malachi was written, they had been overtaken by Babylon for the same reason and their survivors had been kidnapped and they spent 70 years in exile uh, in Babylon and other countries and they were slaves yet again. And so when they had come back from exile, once again God had rescued them. During the time of Nehemiah, remember when Nehemiah brought them all together and started the work of rebuilding the wall and rebuilding the city? During that time uh, when they were rebuilding, Ezra, the other prophet, he was reading the word of God, the laws of God over the people as they worked. And as they worked and listened to the word of God, it cut them to the heart, the Bible says. And they repented once again and started to worship God. You know, the city was now rebuilt, the temple was now rebuilt and things were great again. And so from that time, they were giving honor and worship to God and serving him faithfully. But what do you think happened next? Yep. After some time, over about 100 years ago, once again, they turned their backs on God and went back to their evil ways. Their passion seemed to die off for God, and they became comfortable, and an apathy started to grow in their hearts. And so this is the setting of the book of Malachi. About a hundred years later, after being rescued and set free from Babylon, God is confronting the Israelites once again about their disobedience and their sin, and He's using His servant, the prophet Malachi. And so, this sermon series that we're doing last week, this week, and next week, uh, we're just talking about three different, three of the different statements that God's made, God made in the book of Malachi, there it's a lot of statements that he made, but we're just concentrating on three. And so last week we looked at how how God said, I have loved you, because they needed reminding that even though they had been rescued from captivity, that God still did love them. And so this week, the message that we are looking at is I am a great king. So basically the main message of the book of Malachi is to remind God's people who God is and what he had done for them. Why? Because they had forgotten. Not only had they forgotten that God loved them, but they had also forgotten that he is a great king. You know, because we're so forgetful, right? Humans, we're so forgetful. I know I'm very forgetful. And so I Googled the top 10 things that people tend to forget And there was a study that was carried out in 2013 by 3M, the company who make post-its. So they actually make money off us forgetting things. So they did a study and the top 10 things that they found, number one was essentials, where you put your keys, your phone, your wallet, things like that. Half the time it's um, in my hand or in my pocket. I'm looking for them. Number two, I do this all the time. People forget why they went into a room. I do this all the time, it's not even funny, and I'm only 20 something. Uh, They forget where they parked their car, never eh, duh, I never do that. I'm not the one going, (laughs) boys look out for the light. Some of you cooks might have forgotten this, forget to defrost meat. When you're planning to cook something, you forget to put the meat out and then you end up just eating pies instead or pizzas instead. Not us because I'm always organized. How about names? Names is number five. Yeah, I'm pretty bad with that. Phone numbers. Nobody remembers phone numbers. When I was young, I knew so many phone numbers off the heart because, you know, there were no cell phones, there were no um, electronic devices. My mum used to have this big book of the um, phone numbers that she needed to remember. And one time my dad said to me, I might have shared this story before, but one, one time my dad said to me, hey, Winner, go and call the man to fix the oven door, it's broken. And I said, oh, oh yeah, okay. So I was looking through my mum's book, at, you know, those alphabet on the side, and so I was looking for. Um, oven. O, nothing, nothing in O, just orbelonge or something like that. Then I was thinking, oh, okay, maybe repair. Okay, looked under R. Yep, nothing under repair. Then looked for um, F for fix. I was just like trying anything. By this time, nothing. And then I said to my dad, "Dad, it's not in there." Yes, "It's in there. I wrote, I wrote it myself." And I was like. <laughs> Starting to shake now, just flicking through random pages. And then I found it under T for to fix the oven door. <laughs> and I said to my dad, Dad, it should be under O for oven. It should be under R for repairman or something like that. And he goes, Stop being fear I said, Call the man to fix the oven door. But yeah, anyway. Oh, that was only number six, gosh. Number seven. Ever go to the shop and forgot what you needed? Yeah. No, no, Rochelle, never. I've I've bought lots of stuff and then forgotten what I went for. Number eight, forget to pay bills. (laughs) Because I forgot, got no money. (laughs) Number nine, don't know if anyone does this in here, but people forget to water their plants or feed their goldfish. (laughs) Number 10, people... People, not targeting anyone in particular, forget birthdays and anniversaries. That was number 10. They made a list. We tend to forget. We're forgetful people. Um, And we even forget people. There's been so many times when I've been at the mall and someone's come up and said, um, hey, hey, how are you doing? Oh, my gosh, I'm so good. Thank you. How are you? And, you know, have this conversation. And then, okay, bye. And then we're walking away and my kids go, hey, mom, who was that? I'll tell you later. And every time Maya goes, Mom, you don't even know? You had like a five-minute conversation. But, uh, you know, I just knew that by the way they were talking that it must have been someone, like, close. (laughs) But I'm pretty bad at that. Not as bad as Ulu, but I am pretty bad at that. But, you know, the thing is, if you forget someone, like, if you forget someone, if you forget who they are, You tend to treat them differently than you would have if you remembered who they are. There's this funny story that um, my cousins and I always laugh at. It happened when I was about um, 12, and there were a bunch of my uncles, and they were all brothers, um, probably four of them, and they're all all brothers, you know, highest, like eldest to youngest, and they were all sitting together having, you know, some... uh, cold beverages together. You know, the cold beverages that Samoans like to drink in the place where you park your car usually. And so they were doing that and the four brothers and they had one brother-in-law. So this guy, this uncle of mine, he is the wife of their baby sister. And so all of us kids, I'm probably one of the youngest ones. So all of my cousins are older. And so one time my cousin came and he was laughing his head off. And he said, oh yeah, the uncles, you know, because these brothers, they're, they're the ones who are related to me. They, they like to talk it up a little bit when they've had a little bit to drink. And so they started like talking it up. Like um, one brother, he says, yeah, you know when my wife, you know when she doesn't listen? Yeah, just, you know, one of these, yeah, then she listens. And you know, we all laugh because we know she could probably take him with just one hand. She probably weighed three times he weighed what he weighed. And so all of us cousins, we were just laughing at him, you know, how he was all of a sudden very brave. Because, you know, us Samoan ladies are pretty um, muscular. Uh, and so then, you know, the, the next brother after him thought that, oh, yeah, 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 me too. You know, when my wife, you know, when she's, Just one of these two, you know, and she listens. Oh, sorry, sorry, what do you want me to cook for you? I don't care that it's midnight. I will cook for you, whatever you want. And then the third one, you know, goes, takes it another step further. And the fourth one takes another step further. And then the fifth one, the brother-in-law, because they were all lying, my uncles. But then came the littlest, the youngest one, who was married to their baby sister, and he tried to take the conversation to the next level. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know. You know. And he proceeded to tell his He didn't finish his story because something stopped him. But you know what happened? You know what got him into trouble? He forgot who he was talking to. He got comfortable and he forgot who he was sitting with. He forgot who he was in the presence of and he just let it go. I don't think he did that again. Malachi 1 verses 6 to 8. This is God speaking through his um, servant Malachi. A son honors his father and a servant his mother. If then I am a father, where is my honor? and when you offer those that are lame or sick is that not evil present that to your governor will he accept you or show you favor says the lord of hosts so this is god speaking to the priests obviously there was now some corruption we would we would know that there were very strict laws about what kind of offerings were permitted to be offered to god and they had they had started to offer blind animals or uh, lame animals, whereas the law strictly stated it had to be the first, had to be the best without blemish, and everybody knew that. Now God said, you have despised, you have despised my name. Now despise is a very strong word. It means to hate something with a passion, to loathe something to disrespect it, to hold it in great disdain or contempt. But see, when God confronted them about it, they said, but how, how have we despised your name? They didn't even realize what they were doing. They didn't even realize that they were despising the name of God with their lives. But the reason why they didn't realize it was because because according to them, They were still going to the temple, they were still offering sacrifices, performing the rituals of someone who followed God and served God. So how could that be? I think that they had grown comfortable and had lowered the bar. You know, you don't usually despise something without knowing about it. You know, Ulu Hates cucumbers. I would even say he despises cucumbers. But you know what? Everyone knows about it. Because if there's by accident a cucumber near his food or touching his food or even looking at his food, he'll, he'll be like, ugh, ugh. he knows of He knows that he cannot stand this thing. But they had gotten so comfortable that they were despising the name of the Lord and they didn't even realize it. Instead of loving and serving this amazing sovereign God who had rescued them from slavery so many times throughout history, with all of their hearts, they were just going through the motions, offering sacrifices for the sake of it. You know, probably thinking, oh, actually, naya yeah, that, that lamb will do. Doesn't matter if it's got one eye or can't walk, it'll, it'll do. The priest won't mind, he's cruisy. It's all good, it's cheaper. Verse eight says, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, you would never get away with giving a gift like that to your human superiors. They would not accept it. You might even get into trouble. They knew exactly what they were supposed to be offering God. Their finest, their first, and their best. But because they had forgotten, they had a, had a clouded view of God, they started to lower the bar and offer lame offerings, leftovers. They forgot who God was. They forgot who they were supposedly worshipping, and their faith became lame, and their relationship with God became sick, and so it resulted in them offering lame offerings. You know, if we think about it for us today, you know, if someone's coming over to our house, you know, someone important, Um, some of you may have had mums like mine who had a china cabinet full of the special plates. You know, we use all the chipped, mixed odd plates, but you know, if someone important came over, oh, open the, you know, open the, "Ah." (laughs) oh, and you know, only, only you had to be very careful with those plates because they were the special plates, you know, but with someone's coming, someone special coming to your house, you know, you probably do the same, I, I clean my whole house, even the bathroom, even the shower, even though I know they're probably not going to have a shower when they come over for dinner. But, you know, it's. I wanna show people when they come over, okay, don't judge me if you've come over and my shower wasn't washed, okay? You are special. But, you know, I want people to be feel honored when they come over. I, I want them to feel like I cared that they were coming over and that I made an effort, made some food, and, you know, picked up Ulu's socks, no, just kidding, off the floor and tidied up for them, you know, because we wanna show people that they matter, and that we care that they came by. But you know what? We could be also doing the same thing that these Israelites were doing. You know, they were performing the right rituals. We could be attending church, even serving at church, even giving our money to the church. But perhaps... You know, if there's something else that comes along, something better or something more fun, oh you yeah, see you later, I'll just see you guys next week. You know, I'll worship another day, it's all good. You know, you could be here every Sunday, but actually in your heart, without realizing it, you could be despising his name without realizing it. We should all take a close look at ourselves and don't mistake the fact that we're here all the time or that all of my friends are Christians. Don't mistake that for really having a close relationship with God. If we allow ourselves to forget who he is and what he has done in our lives, in our past, in our days before, in our generations before, here in his word, we are in danger of also despising his name. Our Lord deserves all honor. You know, that word honor means weighty or heavy. You know, those old style scales when, you know, you want to find out how much something is worth. You know, you'd put put it on one side and then you'd find out how heavy it is. And the heavier it is, the more value it has. And it costs more. You know, our God, he is very weighty. He is very valuable and he is worthy of everything that we can give him you know growing up um, at meal times if my dad wasn't home and it was dinner time if he was come if he was somewhere and he was coming to eat later but it was dinner time for us you know my mom was always quite strict she said you know you have to dish dad's food first and put it aside and then you can touch the other food you know if it was a cake The cake is usually the thing that I'm interested in. You know, if there was a cake there, even if I had made the cake and, you know, I felt like that's my cake. I wasn't allowed to cut a piece of cake for myself until I had cut my dad's piece first and put it aside. Then I could eat from what was left. Because my mom would always say, if you eat first, then when dad comes, he's getting leftovers. But I'm like, I'm just having one piece. He's having like the whole thing. And she's like, pardon? Nothing. Jokes. You know, as a kid, I kind of thought that it was a little bit over the top. But, you know, now that I think about it, I think the heart principle was so important. You know, you give the first part, the best part, to the one whom you respect, whom you want to honor the one who works hard for me and pays all the bills and leads me and my family and protects us. you know I know if anyone was to try and break in in the middle of the night, I knew it wasn't me that was going to have to do anything. I knew that my dad would be the one who would go out and protect us. and so he would be the, he's the one that we honor and respect in our house and you know what most of the time, he shared his share with us anyway. You know, they were supposed to give to God the fattest, the best, blemishless of their flock. But us today here, brothers and sisters, doesn't our God deserve our best? Doesn't he deserve our first? And this is why we have praise and worship here every Sunday in the beginning of our service. You know, every part that we do here during our service is important. But we start it by singing praises and giving honor and glory to our God. Sometimes, you know, not at this church, just those other churches. Sometimes people may think, oh, you yeah, know, that's just the jam session in the beginning. It's optional. And I can just come and rock in and listen to the word and, and get, my, get my feeding, you know. Of course, no one in here just, you know, those, those other churches. But, you know, praise and worship is unlike any other part of the service because it is the part where we all stand together as church family and we sing together and give God our praise as a family. Give him honor. Give him the worship that he is so worthy of. We get to sing to him together about how amazing he is. And how amazing it is to be loved by Him. You know, I've seen some services out there where praise and worship was happening on the stage. You know, people were singing their hearts out and lifting their hands and clapping their hands and things like that. And then I would, you know, look around and it was like a concert, you know. But we are not an audience when we come to church. We are part of a big choir. You may be a singer, you may not be, but we are part of one grand choir, and there is only one audience, and it's the audience of one who we sing to. Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy, for the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. Clap your hands, all you nations, not all you worship leaders or whatever. Shout to God with joy. It's all of us. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp or electric bass or drum box or whatever. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. In other words, worship him with everything that you've got, with your whole heart. When we sing together on a Sunday morning, I'd like to just encourage us, let's think about who he is. Remember who he is. Let's not allow ourselves to forget who he is and what he's done. He is so, so worthy of our praise. But, you know, nowadays, you know, it's not like it was back then. We don't have to go to Pack and Save and or wherever you buy a sheep from, not Pack and Save. We don't have to go and bring, you know, animals to sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We don't have to buy animals, but In everything that we do, it can be an act of worship. What we do with our bodies, what we do with our time, the way that we put in our effort at work or at school. Do we work with integrity? Do we demonstrate godly character? Do we act one way when certain people are looking and then a different way when they're not? Do we say what we're going to do? what we say we're gonna do. Even the way that we carry ourselves in our relationships can be an act of worship. You know, those of us who are married, do we honor our spouse and love them to the best of our ability, even when we don't feel like it? Do we support them and build them up and encourage them so that they can be everything that they can be? Those of us who are not married, do you carry yourself as a single person in a way that honors God and worships him? Or have you lowered your bar and allowed yourself to be in compromising relationships? You know, I always say, you can always tell whether a relationship, whether it be a friendship or a romantic relationship, you can always tell whether a relationship is healthy, by the way that it either draws you to God or draws you away from God. And so, you know, some of our friendships, you know, we may need to rethink until maybe we're stronger, that we are able to draw them to God rather than be drifters ourselves. Think about this. Does our social media reflect a life that honours God and gives him our best. Do we offer him our best and our first in all of those areas and more? Because everything that we do can be an act of worship. Uh, Malachi 2 verses 4 to 5, this is still God speaking, and he says, "'And you will know that I have sent you this warning, so that my covenant with Levi may continue,' says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. Basically, that's what it looks like when someone really knows who God is. And Levi was a man who knew God. He understood who God was and what God had given him. In that scripture, it says God had given him life and peace. And because of that, he revered God and stood in awe of his name. He didn't forget. He didn't forget what his life was like before God saved him. And when we really understand, when we truly truly realize how awesome and how great our God is, this king of ours, when you keep a spirit of thankfulness, you can't help but be amazed. You can't help but be passionate. You can't help but worship him with all of your heart. More about Levi in verse six, it says, true instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. Wouldn't it be cool if God could brag about us that way? You know, the way that God is kind of really proud of Levi. And I love how it says that Levi, because of his relationship with God, He served God wholeheartedly, and he turned many away from sin, just through his life. Just through him loving God, the people around him were affected in the way that some of them turned away from their sin and said, I want that, whatever he's got. Are we causing people to turn away from sin? I personally know that some of you are definitely doing that, and that's awesome. Are we doing something in our lives somewhere that is helping someone to inch closer, a little closer to getting to know God? Am I a stepping stone for them so that they can, you know, take one more step closer to a relationship with Him? Or am I a stumbling block? When they look at me, do they feel attracted to the God that I serve or do they feel put off? because of the way that I represent. Verse 7, same chapter says, "'For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned away from the way, and by your teaching you have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi,' says the Lord Almighty." If people are looking at us and observing our words and our actions, will they see God? Uh, The the Israelites, they had become polluted in their thinking and their understanding of who God is. And that's why they, they had become corrupt in their lives. And they were lifting up substandard offerings to the Lord. It began to affect the way that they lived, breaking up their families. Malachi talks about how a lot of them were divorcing their wives and going off to marry um, pagan women. It affected their families. And because of that, it even compromised, compromised their most important relationship, and that was their relationship with God. But you know what the most tragic thing was? was that the generations that came after them followed them. And this is what happens when we allow ourselves to forget who our God is and what he's done in our lives. When we don't remember who he is, we won't respond in worship, which is what we were created for. But God, you know what? God knew that it was going to be hard for us. He knew He knew the cycle. He'd been there every step of the way with the Israelites back then, and it's still that same way with us today. You know, hot, then cold, then hot again, then cold again, and, you know, up and down. But even in the book of Malachi, which is a book of judgment, a book of warnings, there is still good news. Because Malachi 3 talks about someone who would make a way for us to enter in to the holy of holies ourselves and get to know this great king like never before. Malachi 3 points to Jesus, and I'll just read this to close off. Malachi 3, verses one to four. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. See, God knows our weaknesses. God knows our tendencies. We all have them. I sure have them. But because of his great love for us, back then and today, he sent His Son to be the perfect offering for us, once and for all. Hebrews 10.10 says, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Church, let's show the next generation what it looks like to love God and serve Him wholeheartedly so that they don't get comfortable and forget who this great king is. Let's not allow the generations after us to see us lowering our bar and compromising. Jesus made it possible through his perfect sacrifice for us to be close to this great king. But the more this relationship becomes real to us, the more that it will manifest and show in our lives. It will show in our relationships in our families, in our marriages, in our work, in our school. Let's remember who our God is and live a life that celebrates what our King Jesus has done for us. A life that is a stepping stone for others to get to know him and never forget our great King.